Holy God, in these moments, be gracious to our seeking of a word from you. In the name of the word made flesh, amen. In the first two verses of our text today, the prophet Micah takes us into a courtroom where we are on trial. We as the accused sit in the box. The mountains who have seen everything are the witnesses for the prosecution. And to our horror, we discover that the prosecutor is God. The charge is that we have failed to remember. In verses three to five, then, the prosecutor, God, lays out the charges against us. What have I done to you? What right do you have to turn from me, to forget that I was the one who brought you out of slavery? I was the one who gave you a place among the nations. I was the one to redeem you with saving acts. Notice that Micah's concern is not that we've broken God's law, but that we have broken God's heart because we failed to remember. When you were born, who gave you life? When you were in trouble, when you had a disease, when you were lost, when you were enslaved to guilt or addictions, who brought you through the rivers? Who redeemed you with saving acts? God the prosecutor is relentless because we keep forgetting that all that we dare call our lives has been a grace. And that's a serious charge. Because every time humans forget they have a God, they start to act like gods. And that's always when the greatest evil is unleashed on earth. We do not remember that we have a God we are not grateful. And when we are not grateful, our hearts are made anxious, and the anxiety spreads and spreads in our hearts until there's no room for the love that we are called, created to give. In verses six and seven, we offer our meager defense. With what shall I come before the Lord, the God most high? What does God want? Everybody wants something from me. What will make God happy? Shall I come before the Lord with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions? Will that do it? These are corrupt questions asked by people who are trying to bribe their way out of trouble. The reason we got hauled into court in the first place is because we keep acting like we're the God and the Lord is looking for a handout from us. Finally, by verse eight, Micah can't stand it anymore. He abandons his courtroom metaphor and just comes after us himself. He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. Don't keep asking, what are you supposed to do? 
Don't keep trying to discern God's will for your life. Don't keep using your favorite excuse that you're confused. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? The most important thing about doing justice is to never confuse it with believing in justice. The prophets of the Old Testament don't just give us their theory on social justice. They walked the streets of Israel and Judah and were so horrified by what they saw that they told the people to start doing justice or stop calling yourselves the people of God. Similarly, Jesus doesn't just give us his theory on the Samaritan issue or the poverty issue or the sinner issue But by caring for the people who were beat down by these issues, we know the will of God, we know what is required. Now, I I think we need a position on the issues, and it certainly helps if that's grounded in a cohesive theory of social justice. But that's not the hard part. What's harder is to follow Jesus as he introduces you to the people behind the issues. All of the issues that we confront have names and faces and stories that will break your heart. So the question is not just what do you believe, but what are you gonna do about what you believe? If you actually do justice long enough, sincerely enough, Broadly enough, it will not be long before you are overwhelmed and you will be saying to God, there is so much need, so much hurt. I I can't do all that is required of me. Well, it gets worse. There's a second requirement. (laughs) Not only are you required, that's the word in the text, required to do justice but you're required to do it with loving kindness. This word for loving kindness is our old friend, hesed. It has the connotation of a love that is steadfast, unshakable, merciful, the way the Lord has loved us. When we add hesed, to doing justice, means that we don't just give people what they deserve. It it means that we give them our hearts. It means that we give loving kindness. It means that we're really clear about our calling and the story that God has already written for our lives. It means that we're clear about what we are required to do with our hearts. It means that we enter into authentic relationships with people who are not like us, people of different folds. This is hard. We would protest, how can I be required to love? 
Some of these people have hurt me. Can't I just fix them and let God love them? (laughs) No, again, that's why we ended up in court. Because as God sees it, it's not justice if it isn't done with loving kindness. And again, that's the hard part. That leads us to the third requirement that has long been required of mortals, that we walk humbly with God. If you do justice and love kindness, you will be thrust into walking humbly with God. You see, this is not just a list of three requirements. This is a pathway into deeper and deeper spirituality. God doesn't want to keep us in court for our failures. God wants us to remember that we need God in order to be human beings. When will you ever have done enough justice in this unjust world? When will you have adequately cared for and entered into authentic relationships with enough of the poor or the marginalized or the victims? When will you have loved sufficiently as God has loved you? Well, never, of course. But we confess that not to get ourselves off the hook. Rather, we confess it to put ourselves firmly, squarely on this hook, confessing that as we come together in a community that aspires to do loving justice, we need a God. We are humbled by that discovery every time we participate in community. But when we aspire to community, when we don't just do justice from a distance, when we engage each other in the pursuit of justice lovingly, we create a sacred space, a realm of redemption in which a savior can enter. The great Jewish theologian Abraham Heschel said that when two people come together, A creative space is made between them. That's the realm in which the creator functions. But if one of those persons goes away, the creative space also is lost. Jesus says essentially the same thing when he says that when two or three come together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. He's the one who does the saving in community. We create the space, the realm of redemption by committing ourselves to the community, a community that has aspirations that only a savior can help us achieve. But we commit ourselves to these aspirations like doing justice and loving kindness. We covenant in the community towards these goals. And as we do, As we do, we have the the humbling joy of watching a Savior at work, changing us, transforming us closer into the very image of this Savior. It's a humbling joy 
to get to watch the Savior at work. But you're going to miss it if you don't commit yourself to a flawed community that aspires to do justice with loving kindness. And thus, a community that walks humbly with God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.